Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Week two, waiver, wire, pickup, power rankings, NFL injury report, plus a full recap of what happened in week one, at least through the lens of me and my two guests today. Also, if you haven't noticed yet, there is a golf major happening this week. I already have two shows out and my cheat sheet up on dkplaybook.com. You can find those. Just go to Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to the Mayo Media Network as well. We can always use more subscribers. Smash the like button to the video too. And in the comment section after the show is finished because that's when the comment section actually shows up and most people will watch it after the fact not live like we are every monday 9 30 a.m eastern time on mayo media network but uh tell me who your favorite waiver wire pickup of the week is there's a lot of running backs you can go pick up there's a few receivers i don't know who's available in your league specifically shockingly enough this show is not specifically for your league only so i have to take average percentages so when you see someone rank number one in one of the power rankings waiver wire pickup at let's say receiver you're like but that guy is on in my league already then just go to fucking number two all right you can hit the time code after the show and on the audio version if you want to skip past the recap or the injuries and go straight to the positions for the waiver wires i'll try to make it easy on you in real time we actually don't know when those are happening in the show to the t so i will put them in after the fact, you can check out my waiver wire power rankings up on dkplaybook.com right now as well. There's also a video up on Mayo Media Network from Justin Freeman, the first of 17 throughout the course of the year, previewing and making picks for the DraftKings Monday night showdown slate. It's for the early game, Pittsburgh at the Giants. So I recommend everyone go check that out and follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Freeman 18. I think that's everything. Let's introduce the guest. Guest number one, you may know him from the Pat Mayo experience over the years. It is from DK Playbook and DK Live. Gary and Thorne, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Pat? Good, you're at home. You're not even in the studio. I I know. Uh, It's great. I got up. I didn't have to, like, really do anything all that extreme. Didn't have to drive into the city. Can just kind of relax. Yeah, see, maybe. Look uh, Look up some waiver wire stuff. It's all good. Yeah, we can talk some injuries. We can talk about your mighty Dolphins, Miles Gascan. You're you're, you're the best running back on the planet. But it's funny because when I tease this show at the beginning of the year, I've always struggled with the Monday show to figure out what to do. So I wanted to make this as fun as possible. Because, you know, that's really the wheelhouse of the Pat Mayo experience. It's not really the info. I mean, decent info, bad analysis, good info, but fun is what we're here for. So I was like, you know, we should just get the old team back together. And then I said it was the old team. But I don't think the three of us have actually ever done a show before. Chris Meany from FTN Daily, FTN Fantasy, FTNBets.com is here. We all work together. It's like we did our own show every single day when we were at Fantasy Sports Network. But... I don't know if we actually ever had a show show together. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, maybe, maybe some live shows in the morning that was it when yeah. they snuck us on the guest desk together. I think that's really it. I mean, uh, you and Gary and, and Pess and filling in and, and jumping in. It's it's nice to have the band back together again. You know, when you told me that Gary was going to jump on board, it was going to be three of us. It's like, perfect, man. Like, time flies, but it's good to be uh, back with you guys and talking football. Week one kind of in the books. Wacky week, but let's have some fun. Felt like it went off without a hitch. I got, like, super fired up about 10 minutes before kickoff. I actually went down. I went to my normal spot. You know, we can go indoors. We had all the screens set up. I tweeted out a picture of it. I had my iPad, two laptops on the go. We had every game, being able to watch it all to consume it in real time. But, like, Gary and you, I mean, both of you know from watching football with me at that specific place, it it took my brain, like, 45 minutes to be able to 
absorb eight games all going on at the same time and be able to track them all properly. Um, but I, I can tell you, Gary, I'm going to have to lean on you pretty bigly for the Patriots and Dolphins game because that one got the axe from my periphery view pretty quickly. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I feel like one of the only reasons we ever watched the Dolphin game at uh, Toby's was that I happened to be there and still cared. Uh, you know, it always depended what I cared about last season cheering for them to lose. So that was fun. But uh, yeah, pretty boring game over very quickly too. I think that game ended about 20 minutes before any other game because I don't know if anyone in the second half actually gave a damn. Yeah, and then Fitzpatrick turned it over in the red zone. I was like, oh, yeah, he'll gonna, do that. He's like, they're going to come back and win this. And then it's like, oh, end zone pick. Perfect. And then it's just running, running, running. Cam runs out the clock. Uh, feel bad for you, Meanie. I assume you hunkered down on the Eagles game. That wasn't great. No, that wasn't good. Uh, I was actually on Washington. I have a lot of concerns with Philly. Uh, their offensive line is is not good at all. And you saw that. Give some credit to Washington and Chase Young's first game. I believe they had eight sacks on Carson Wentz. So, yeah, it started off 17-0. I was like, hmm, the picks are going to go well this year. I'm, I'm completely on Washington, and they look awful. And then in the second half, <laughs> I don't know, they just rallied and uh, Doug Peterson overthinking it. We saw that last night with McCarthy and instead of kicking a field goal coaches, just, you know, classic, right. I mean, week one, I don't know. They had all this time off to think and they, they were just thinking way too much, uh, for whatever reason. So yeah, it, it wasn't good. I luckily I'm not out of survivor, but I would imagine there's a few people listening right now that are completely out of survivor with the Colts losing and, uh, Philly losing. Yeah, we, we lost poor Jeffrey Feinberg in our survivor ah, pool for the oh, for no. maybe the second consecutive year in week one, or maybe wow. it's like two of the past three years. Cuss was bounced week one two years in a row. He actually yep. survived this week. Uh, I took Baltimore because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, the Ravens are really good. Let, let's just take yeah. the Ravens here. And then also, they, they were not uh, like a. Um, people got way too tricky week one for like an extended layoff quarterbacks on new teams and like the eagles with no offensive line just take the team who's good against the team who's bad like that generally works out in survivor yeah i would say so uh as someone who took the colts i can attest (laughs) that uh i wish i paid more attention to my gut feeling on philip rivers from last season uh apparently just having an offensive line doesn't magically make a quarterback's arm look less ridiculous when he throws a football. But, uh, you know, it's nice in a way. It's nice to know, like some things never change. Like Phillip rivers is going to be terrible in the fourth quarter. Ryan Tannehill, or excuse me, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to throw a terrible interception when you think he might actually be able to win a game. And look, we're bringing, we're bringing, bringing back all the old classics at this point. I mean, we, we had a Mayo triple play this week, so everything old is new again. You'd be surprised how, I mean, the triple play really panned out. I guess Kenyon Drake, like he ended up scoring the touchdown. Wasn't great because you could have used Josh Jacobs in that range. Who I completely faded on drafting. He's like, he's going to be the highest owned guy. No, thanks. And then he scored three touchdowns. Fortunately, it was like Devontae Adams, Minshew, Chark, and Drake. So that all kind of worked out. Somehow, my two best bets of the day both won. And I went six and three in props. And I like made... 0.5% 0.5% ROI meaning I, I just I was like I'm gonna parlay them all together this is gonna be the week that you know everything turns out my way if I just hadn't parlayed anything I would have won a lot of money betting <laughs> yeah uh, that's too bad I, I mean I just I, I was certainly on that shock that you mentioned the, the four games uh, you know the bets were okay I expect Todd Gurley had a good day he didn't really do anything through the air. That was a little bit of a letdown. And then Austin Eckler, those were two running backs that I were in, uh, that I was in on and I thought would have a little bit more usage in the passing game. But yeah, over at FTNBets.com, I mean, the, the props worked out. As I mentioned, Washington, uh, Buffalo, my survivor pick. Sorry, Tim, uh, the Jets are just going to be absolutely tra- – I'm not even sorry, actually. The, the, bets are, the Jets are going to be absolutely trash this year, but – 
uh, as we'll get into some of the, you know, throughout this show, there are like a, a few surprising moments. Uh, one for me, you know, Gary, and you're mentioning, um, you know, the, the Dolphins game over quickly. How about Cam? Yeah. Like, this was a guy that I completely counted out, you know, all off season. I, I thought he would definitely get the job with the Pats, but I didn't think he'd run around and look as good, Pat, as he did. And I know you're a big Cam fan, and it turns out that he's probably going to be one of the bigger steals at the quarterback positions this year. Well, that's good for you and I in the one team yeah. that we managed together. It's a three-sport draft, and we did the draft back in March when Cam didn't have a team and Jameis didn't have a team. So in the final two <laughs> rounds, rounds 51 and 52, we took Cam and Jameis under the impression, like, one of these guys is going to get yeah. a job, and they're fantasy gold. Like, I'm not surprised Cam looked good whatsoever, but it's the Dolphins, Gary. And like, I, I like the Dolphins better than I like the Jets, but that doesn't mean that they're good by any means. No, um, I, I do think their defense has improved just out of, you know, necessity. It, it was a low bar to clear from last year, but they did bring in some actual professional players. And uh, having watched, I would say, 95% of that game, really at no point did New England or Josh McDaniels or Cam Newton attempt to go at Xavier Howard or go at Byron Jones. Everything was either a read option play. Uh, they had a couple triple option plays, which were really interesting. And then they also were just peppering Julian Edelman uh, over the middle of the field. So, I mean, that might be something to watch for going forward, just about how teams tend to attack the Dolphins or if that's Patriots specific. Uh, if we really are going to see a funnel effect from those two corners, as long as they stay healthy, I guess. Uh, Xavier Howard, not exactly a picture of health. But Cam looked great. Uh, he looked fantastic. He looked healthy. Uh, he was making good decisions. And he looked fast, like really fast. Yeah. And, and I think uh, that was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, I think, just throughout the league, was how mobile quarterbacks are now. And I, and I know it's, it's increasingly become a point and a position of athleticism. But, you know, we had it least 11 different quarterbacks scramble for more than 25 yards in week one. And that includes like Murray for 91 and a touchdown. Cam had two touchdowns. Josh Allen uh, could have had like 200 yards, but he couldn't hold on to the football, still finished with 57. Burrow had that crazy touchdown run. I, I know the safety kind of took a bad route, whatever. It was still really cool for your first NFL touchdown. But, you know, we only had one running back go over a hundred yards yesterday. And I'm starting to wonder like with how mobile these quarterbacks are becoming and how often they run, like what's the sort of trickle down effect of that. So there was a lot going on last week and I'm just happy to have these conversations again. Yeah. I, I was shocked. I mean, if you told me four months ago, this would go off kind of without a hitch that I yeah. would have called you foolish, but here we are. And I'm glad it did. Cause it was exciting. Even someone that I was at the bar at mentioned it to me just like, as crazy as it sounds, like the return to normalcy of just having week one happen, all of the games happen to sit down to do what you normally do on a Sunday is like, I thought it was all kind of bullshit when it was when I was going through it. This is what he was telling me. He's like, but it was nice to have it back. It made me feel good. <laughs> yeah, it made me feel great. Yeah. I mean, I was with you, like what you said off the top of the show, how excited you were. It was the same thing for me. You know, again, just back Sunday morning, putting together your picks, <laughs> second guessing yourself. Um, you know, putting together your lineups and just getting ready for football. And you're right. It, it did go off without a hitch. There was, it was a little strange, I'll be honest with no fans and, and 
And there are a few plays, you know, watching the game where, you know, a running back would get stuffed behind the line at, and they were playing at home, but yet you'd still hear the fans as if they were cheering like they got a first down. So that was a little strange to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gary kind of nailed it there with the running back or with the quarterbacks, you know, and that was one of the big takeaways for me too, was that, you know, you see obviously Lamar Jackson, what he can do, but when there's four other quarterbacks with more rushing attempts, it's like, whoa, okay, this is really going to be, um, you know, a change at the guard. We've seen it over the past couple of years with some of these quarterbacks that are willing to, to call their own number. I mean, like Kyler Murray flirting with a hundred yards in the ground, like this guy may actually get a thousand rushing yards this year. And would any of us be surprised? I mean, I'd, I don't think so. Not, not me anyways. No. Can, we, can we talk about the end of that game for a second? I don't know if you guys caught it, but I guess he was at exactly 100 yards, so he would have lost the 100-yard bonus yes. anyway. It, just with your standard kneel down, he probably would have lost like three yards on two kneel downs. But they were kneeling out of this like hybrid shotgun formation, I guess, so that like no one could touch or possibly fall on Kyler. But he lost nine yards yeah. in the last two plays. It was I'd never seen anything like it before. Uh, I wonder if that's something to monitor going forward. I, I don't think you're really going to be beating yourself up. Like it would suck that he loses the, the DraftKings three point bonus for the hundred yard rushing plus another point basically uh, for mm -hmm. minus nine yards rushing. But if he wants to get like 91 yards rushing, like I think I'm going to be okay with that out of my quarterback. Oh, sure. I just saw a couple of people on Twitter like, oh, these DraftKings stat corrections. Like how do they have Kyler with nine more yards? It's like, no, he lost nine yards on kneel downs. It was just, something so strange and again in a week of where everything was kind of strange or it was strange how normal everything was I guess like I don't know about you guys but I was sort of sitting there Sunday morning just waiting for like the Schefter or the Rappaport tweet where it was like ah so and so's tested positive like you know even just kind of relaying experiences and, and the NFL is getting I think rightfully so compared to baseball just in the sense you actually have these teams moving around the country I mean we'll all remember Juan Soto tested positive what was it five yeah. or six hours before opening day in the majors. And it just felt like something like that was bound to happen and to get zero positive tests. I mean, it was just fantastic. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to continue necessarily, but I'm a lot more positive now than I think, like you said, Mayo, than I was like four months ago. The viewing experience without fans, I didn't really notice as I notoriously do not listen to sound when I watch the games. Although there's like one sound game on, but Whatever, for whatever reason, there's like a cavalcade of like Ravens fans that come to the bar where I'm at now. And like they had they got there before me and ended up with the Ravens versus Browns on the sound. And we're like cheering every first down. And I mean, I don't wish like ill upon any player, even Mark Ingram. Uh, I don't want to see anyone get hurt. I just want to see them suck. I, I wanted Lamar Jackson to get hurt by the end of the game. I was like, I hope he's out for his career. Like, I can't stand you people. I hope you never show back up. Like, it was really bothering me the entire time. Like, you're up. Well, at one point, it was like 30 to 3 or something like that. It's like, oh, first down, Willie Sneed. Yeah. It's like, all right, fucking calm down here. We're trying to watch all the games. We're trying to be civil. But do you think, like, just looking at the quarterback stats from week one, and maybe this is just a week one aberration, the because there was no, like, full contact, no preseason games, that the offense just had a distinct advantage in week one, it seemed like there was a lot of overs hitting in these games. But just to look at the quarterbacks, and maybe that was the same reason we saw so many rushing yards, is that all the quarterbacks aren't necessarily on the same page at game speed. So they had to bring the ball down. I mean, there was a lot of designed runs in these games, but there was also a lot of broken... Like, it's not like Kyler was 
piling off designed runs. He was just kind of running around like a madman, and then was just old school Russell Wilson style. But Wilson actually had a bunch of like designed runs for himself, which I was really curious to see. But if you just look at the top ten fantasy scores at quarterback from yesterday, it was Wilson, Rogers, Josh Allen, Lamar, Kyler, Cam, Trubisky, Ryan, Cousins, Deshaun Watson. Gardner Minshew and then Brady and Patrick Mahomes both with like 20.5 but of all those guys there's like two of them that don't run like in your fantasy league you should just be taking quarterbacks who run they score all the fantasy points <laughs> yeah I mean I would agree with that that's something I think you and I talked about before the the season started if you were just new to fantasy football I mean just to have a quarterback with a safe floor who can run like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's overlooked. It really is because if they do struggle when they only have like one or two passing touchdowns and they just get that nice floor, it's like starting with a free touchdown. So yeah, there were, you know, a lot of quarterbacks that you mentioned. Uh, interesting. You know, another takeaway for me is this Vikings secondary, uh, maybe really bad. So a team that, you know, we think that they're going to want to run the football a lot and maybe we're not totally interested in Kirk Cousins. I mean, I'm looking at his ownership. It's, it's below 35% in Yahoo leagues. Like really nobody feels comfortable starting Kirk Cousins, but he may just have to throw the football a lot more than we thought he would because that secondary, I don't want to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he just came in with a mission. Like I only need one weapon, even though he used MVS and Lazard, they both found the end zone of course with Adams but Rodgers had four passing touchdowns and 364 yards. This is somebody on DK. I know in your contest, Pat, I think he was 4% owned. Like nobody wanted a piece of, of Aaron Rodgers, but like Kyler, he peppered Hopkins, but there were a lot of quarterbacks like, like Wentz with Rager, like a lot of these rookie wide receivers who haven't been around the team all that long. and didn't get a lot of play. It may just take some time for them to get on the same page. There was a moment in that game yesterday when I was watching Arizona and San Fran, where Hopkins was pretty ticked off with Kyler. Like they, they were, there was a disconnect there. He thought it was like an out route and he cut in and they were both like not heated, it was nice to see on the sidelines they were talking, but like you can just see like it's probably just going to take some time for some of these guys to to get on the same page. And again, it's just uh, it's a benefit to have a quarterback who can run in case he needs to scramble. That happened on the Brady pick six too. like it was a bad yep. throw, but it was very clearly the wrong route. Like Brady thought that he was going to curl back to the ball through it, trying to hit him in stride. He just kept running. <laughs> And Arians called Brady out on that. I mean, yeah. call whatever you want to say, but he, he, both of those picks, I mean, he blamed on Brady. He said, you know, that was, you know, Evans ran the right route and, you know, he made the bad throw. And then, and there was another turnover that Brady had as well that Arians said, um, you know, was on Brady and he needs to take care of the football. So it, again, it's going to take some time as, as much as Tom Brady and he's so experienced, it is a new offense for him and new wide receivers and, you know, a thousand routing backs that he has to deal with in that backfield. Well, it just turns out that I, I was seeing the stat pop up because after Brady threw the two picks kind of thing that maybe Bruce Arians offense is just a pick happy offense. <laughs> it's possible. It's it's definitely possible. Look, they're an aggressive offense. And I, yes. and I think as you know, in a fantasy sense, you'll always take aggression uh, over just a passive offense. And, and that's why Jameis was such an enticing guy the last couple of seasons. And you know, I think it's all going to even out in the wash. I'm sure Brady will get more used to the system and he'll probably throw less interceptions if history has told us anything. But yeah, I think there was just some really interesting performances from established quarterbacks, kind of like Chris was talking about. I mean, obviously we have Brady in a new system. You know, Aaron Rodgers kind of coming out and throwing four touchdowns uh, when he'd only thrown for more than three touchdowns in a game three times last wow. season. And we had started, you know, speaking of passivity, like we'd sort of started to think about Rodgers as someone who maybe cared more about his touchdown interception ratio. 
than he did than actually making plays that helped the Packers win games, but comes out and has a fantastic performance. It could be more about Minnesota than anything, but uh, you know, it's, it's obviously still a feather in Rogers cap. But I think the one thing that I was maybe the most captivated by just because it's something we've been waiting for forever. And I don't know what Twitter is going to talk about during Seahawks games if they're actually going to throw the ball 65% of the time. I mean, that was a game where from a script perspective, you knew they were going to win by halftime. And yet Russell Wilson still finishes that game with a pass heavy approach for the Seahawks. And as you mentioned, Pat, also a bunch of designed runs. Like if you had a checklist as a fantasy owner for Russell Wilson of all the things you wanted to see in week one, every box got checked emphatically. And I can't remember leaving a Seahawks game being like, oh, this is a good offense for Russell Wilson. And I mean, that's massive. Well, I want to introduce a segment that we're going to do on Mondays called The Three. Our three, not biggest stories, but our three just kind of stories of note that we're going through. So before we get to that, again, I will be doing my U.S. Open. Like I said, it's a golf major this week. It doesn't feel like that. But I already have my DraftKings pick show out that came on the weekend. Uh, you can go check that out as long along with my first look, all up on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast as well. Please, people, if you're out there and listening, if you haven't subscribed to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, please go do that and then go rate it five stars. Leave a review if you're feeling good about that. For this video, smash the like button. That always goes a long way. And we will be taking a few of your waiver wire questions at the end of the show. That's how this is going to work uh, after we run through everything. But at the same time, I'm now where I was going with this. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Listener's League link will be posted a little bit later on for week two NFL. The Listener's League League for golf is actually up right now. Those are in the golf shows. I'll be doing my show with Jeff later on today. It'll be out Monday evening. Uh, so please come back and check that out if you want to lose money on golf. Uh, we are the people to watch to lose money on golf. <laughs> Worst bets in the biz. Actually, not Feinberg. Me, more so than Feinberg. Feinberg actually does hit winners. And FTN, where Chris Meany, you can find all of his work right now. FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, FTNBets.com. I highly suggest all the tools that are up there right now. Huge day for FTN Daily users. I use the optimizer for the first time for NFL. Had a winning week. It was fantastic. If you use code MAYO right now, and you can find all the links in the description of this video and podcast, I highly recommend you go do that. And if you purchase one of the products at FTN Daily or FTNBets.com within the next two days, you screenshot me your purchase, then you are eligible to get a full refund and keep your account. But you have to make the purchase first. That's how this works. Uh, the draw will conclude on Wednesday morning. That's when I will announce the winner. So please go do that. The big three for me, or at least number three for me, and you kind of hit on it. I wanted to stop you before you got too much into it, Gary, and was... I apologize. It reminded... Mm -hmm. Well, it's not even that. It's just you kind of, through osmosis, brought it up, is the Seahawks game. Fourth and five, middle of the second quarter. They're going to go for it. And I'm like, what are the Seahawks doing here? They love punting. Like, that that's their jam. They have a great punter. That's why they went out and they got him. But no. And they pulled, like, the old-school Mike Martz Rams, my favorite fourth down plays that there are. Like... A lot of teams will be like, oh, it's fourth and five. We need five and a half yards. Let's run it to the sticks. No, no, no. What the Rams used to do with Kurt Warner is like, oh, it's, it's fourth and three. Let's go deep. And that's exactly what the Seahawks did. I love that fourth down call from them. Like, if they want to be this aggressive, maybe they thought, you know what, we need as many points as possible against the Falcons because we know that they're eventually going to score. And they did. It was all garbage time. But whatever. They, they still put up the points. That I don't know if we'll see this every week, and maybe the Falcons' defense just sucks. But 
it was like you mentioned, it was super encouraging to see. Uh, but after that touchdown, Metcalf had 58 yards and his over under was 58 and a half. I had the over. And then I just assumed I was going to get stuck with him at 58 in the shithole for the entire game uh, because I just assumed they would go revert back to running the ball over and over. That just didn't happen. No, it was, it was really interesting to see. And um, I mean, I'll, I'll shut up and let Chris talk about it. Cause I feel like I just talked about it forever, but it was just such a foreign experience to watch an aggressive pass happy Seattle team. And uh, especially for Metcalf who had that massive drop, he had really yeah. done nothing in the first half. And then suddenly, like you said, you're kind of worried as a fantasy owner because, Oh, I know this, I know this script. I've seen it a thousand times before. Seattle's just going to turtle up and start running the football. And it didn't happen. It was great to see. Yeah, it, it was great to see. It was it was just fun to see because Russell Wilson, he's just we all know how elusive he is. And we've been saying for years, we just want him to we just want Seattle and Pete Carroll to just unleash him. Right. Just let him throw the ball as much as he can. He's got two legit wideouts and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who both had 90 yards. Yeah, Garen, you mentioned the, the drops from DK. I mean, he had a couple there that were uh, that he that he should have hauled in. But even still, like, I mean, Russell was 31 for 35 with a couple drops. He was almost perfect in that game. And I was waiting for that as well. Like Chris Carson was a running back that I always played in, you know, in DraftKings because there was a safe floor there with him. I always knew that he was going to get some goal line touches and that he was probably going to get at least 12 to 15 carries. And Carlos Hyde had more carries than him, but he only had seven. Right. So it was just and Carson caught six balls like as another guy is we're not used to you know seeing somebody catch more than three passes. So there was some design runs, as you mentioned, Pat. It was in a very efficient offense that we know. And I think the defense is going to be fine. I know that there was some garbage time points. Like let's give, you know, Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones some credit. Like they came back in that game and they were, they were slinging it, but I think this is a defense that's going to be fine. So moving forward, is this going to continue to happen? You mentioned that Pat with one of your big storylines, like when they get into a game where they're just going to be able to shut down the opponent, is it really going to be Carson and Hyde a one, two punch? Like Carol said, he's just going to ride the hot hand and, and roll a committee. Uh, but right now, week one, I mean, if you got yourself Russell Wilson, I mean, again, I, I don't remember the last time he's had two legit wideouts, and he does. Like, those are two legit wideouts. Lockett led the league in, in red zone targets last year. Metcalf was was right there with 17. He's going to grow as a receiver. He's going to – his hands are going to get better. I truly believe in him. So, yeah, this this Seattle team is is absolutely legit all over the field. Uh, so, Meany, what was your – what was one of your three stories? So I, I kind of already talked about it earlier with Cam, but I just want to go back to him is, is he just looked so fresh and so solid in that game because the last time we saw him was, was week one in, in Carolina where he was dealing with the shoulder and he was dealing with the foot. He, he was never really an accurate quarterback, but for me, just watching him, I mean, yeah, you look at Brady over the past few years in New England, so it's not a surprise to see that Cam Newton set the Patriots rushing record from a quarterback standpoint, but he did it with just hitting over like 53 yards he ended up with 75 rushing yards, but you know, he found the end zone twice. He, the, the first, the first rushing touchdown that he had was just old school vintage cam, like, like almost like he hadn't missed any time over the past couple of years that he hadn't dealt with the foot injury. And there was just so many amazing design runs that Garen kind of alluded to earlier where they had four people on the right side of the field and cam runs over to the left. Like it's just, it was just really nice to see. And, you know, over the past couple of years with Belichick and you knew that you couldn't do that with Brady. So it's, it's, 
I'm just fascinated with this New England team and how they're going to roll. And you just look at the target share, and yeah, it was is a whole lot of of Edelman up, you know, in the middle of the field. I mean, he has a 36% target share, but Nikhil Harry, 31%, both of those guys in the top seven. So it looks like it's just going to be a whole lot of cam running and they're just peppering Harry and Edelman. So for me, again, I'll take a lot of heat. I'll take everything because I just didn't believe in cam and that he could do this. And the fact that he did it right away week one, and this offense is probably only going to get better. He's going to get more comfortable with Belichick and what they're going to be able to do. That was a huge takeaway for me that, I didn't know if Cam would be a top 10 quarterback this year. I feel pretty confident saying that he has top five upside again. Garyan, what is your story? I think for me, I just, uh, we talked about Phillip Rivers a little bit earlier. Um, we'll probably talk about Naheem Hines a little bit later, but I guess I never really appreciated how much of a PPR running back God Philip Rivers is uh, it, it like takes someone moving from another team and having that ripple effect go across both Los Angeles and Indianapolis for you to really see it. And it makes a lot of sense. Like when you go back to last season, the chargers had the highest running back target share of any team in football by a wide margin, almost a third of Philip Rivers passing attempts went towards the running back position. Uh, and it was the lifeblood of Austin Eckler. And, you know, Melvin Gordon was catching passes and looking not great or not nearly as good as Austin Eckler, but he was still catching passes and getting targets. And then you see Tyrod Taylor and his complete reluctance to throw anything in the neighborhood of Austin Eckler and, you know, how worrisome that is going forward. Like, I don't think they're going to have a 3% target share for the rest of the season. That would be ludicrous, but it's not going to get anywhere close to that 32% it was last season. And then, you know, Hines comes out and has eight targets and eight catches, obviously impacted a little bit by the injury to Marlon Mack. But, you know, it's clear that there is a book on Phillip Rivers, and that is he is going to turn the running backs on his team into at least RB2s in PPR formats. Like, that's that's just what he does at this point. Yeah, even half-point PPR, I think it's going to be the same. And, like, do we have an official word on Marlon Mack's injury yet? Is he done for the season? Because that's what it sounds like. I haven't seen anything official, but as soon as you see the non-contact nature mm -hmm. and that it's an Achilles, like, I, I mean, you can't be optimistic. No, um, any, any, and, and I would assume. Yeah, anytime you hear Achilles is bad. <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't look good and you know obviously Hines is you know anybody that drafted him late and you sit off the top I already have him but he is out there in in waiver wire leagues his ownership is 20 percent in Yahoo Gearing's dead on with with Philip Rivers in the check down and it was com it was completely annoying as uh as a guy who's really in on on Taylor but if you're a Taylor owner you you know you kind of with with Mac getting hurt you kind of dodged a bullet like it looks like it looked completely like there was going to be a committee there with the three backs and it was going to be completely frustrating but now with Mac gone and Taylor catching six passes as well is that now he becomes a back that you know you may have reached on you may have had to take him in the third round fourth round and he was just going to be a guy that maybe halfway through the year took over from Mac because I actually believed Frank Reich when he said that this was going to be a committee Mac has earned the touches and he was going to get you know a lot of the usage but now uh, you have yourself 
two solid backs in Hines and Taylor. And it will be still kind of frustrating, but uh, I don't expect Mac to, I mean, again, it's not official. I just checked now. There's, there's nothing official on him, but it doesn't look good at a Colts camp. They feel uh, he's done for the season with the Achilles, but yeah, I mean, Rivers is, this is what he's done, right? Woodhead for years. And then, Eckler, um, I mean, Eckler had, yes, like there's just, yeah, this is exactly what he's done forever. And this is what he's going to do again this year. I mean, he, the fact that he couldn't, you know, do enough to beat the Jags is, is interesting, but um, yeah, Hines is going to probably catch 50 belt. 50 balls, right? That would probably be the floor. I mean, caught eight, right? Yeah. It's already, already and maybe this defense is not as good as we thought. Like for me anyways, like, well, I think there was, there was perfect yesterday. There was definitely questions about their secondary. Uh, I think the front seven we we fall in love yes. with, but just listening to some Colts beat writers after the game, it was like, well, the secondary is still clearly an issue. And I would say, yeah, there were wide open Jaguars receivers in the end zone all day long. So that can only help. I mean, you were talking about it earlier, sort of with the Kirk Cousins effect of the Vikings defense possibly being a lot worse than we thought it would be. You know, these running backs again, if if the Colts are going to play in games or maybe they are giving up points because of a poor pass defense. That's only going to mean more targets for these running backs, 14 targets. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, 14 receptions. It was, tw- I think it was ended up, oh, being, excuse me. Yeah. I think it ended up being 20 targets, which was like almost half of Phillip rivers passes. So let's jump into the running back waiver wire. Then uh, I have Heinz at number one. Obviously I always update this all the way till Tuesday evening up on dkplaybook.com. After we finish the show, I will put the link in the description. So if you're watching this after, the link's already there. You can go check it out. Uh, But I will do that after I update the snap shares once all of those are released as well. So you can just have a very easy way to figure that out. But Hines was involved in this offense out of the gate. Like, even while Marlon Mack was healthy, they start Uh with Mack, they throw to him on the first play, and then all of a sudden Hines is in the game getting, like, red zone rushes, which is blowing my mind. But... I think if we look at Hines right now, he's the number one waiver wire pickup at running back. I think overall, uh, more than likely. And that's for standard. That's for half point. That is for full point PPR. Like he's going to have more value in a PPR and less in a standard. But if he's going to be getting, you know, let's just say eight targets a game, eight catches a game seems to be a lot. But let's say he can pick up like five on average per game. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I would go him way above everyone else. And then after that, I have James Robinson, Malcolm Brown, Joshua Kelly, Chase Edwards, Jarek McKinnon, Sony Michelle, Chris Thompson, Boston Scott, Alexander Madison. I think of guys that actually matter on that list. Hines is probably owned in a competitive league, but if he's not, what would you spend on him to go get him? Any like, would you spend all a hundred bucks a year, Fab? I would spend, geez, I would spend at least like 35, 40%, especially if you're sitting there, if you had Mac or your Miles Sanders owner, uh, there's a lot of committees. And that's kind of another storyline for me too, is looking around the league. There are a lot of running back by committees. Maybe this will, you know, a couple will phase out by the time we get to the midway point, but you nailed it. I mean, Hines was involved in the red zone. He had six red zone opportunities, the four red zone rushing attempts, and then he had two targets. And we've just talked about this, the, the large sample size of Phillip Rivers checking down to running backs. So even if you were fine at the running back position and you're playing in a PPR league, I mean, he is a nice get. I mean, you can put him in at the flex. He can be a bi-week replacement. But I think for me personally, moving forward, this is somebody that I'm going to have as a, you know, a low-end RB2 even in a half point setting. So I would, as for me, as a Miles Sanders owner in in one of my leagues, I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to try to get him. I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to at least spend, you know, 35 to 40% of my budget. That may seem like a lot. I don't know know if that's going to get him. 
not going to yeah, be I enough. Think, I think you might have to go higher. Um, and honestly, I, I think I'd feel safe going higher for all the reasons you talked about. Um, you know, it, it might not be the ideal role. And I know even going back as recently as like five years ago, there was the sense that you kind of save your fab or you save uh, that waiver wire ranking or priority for the big fish, because we know that running back injury is coming at some point, but it seems more and more now, understandably, when we do get a bell cow go down with injury, he's often replaced by a committee anyway. So I don't think there's necessarily anything to wait for. I think with Hines, we just know what his role is going to be. He's going to play probably somewhere in the realm of like 50 to 60% of the snaps each week. If you're in a half point or a full point PPR setting, he's a dynamo there because he's going to get, like Pat said, probably somewhere between six to nine targets per game uh, playing in this offense. And while I wouldn't necessarily expect like the goal line carries to continue, I know he had like a 13 yard touchdown running out of like the shotgun on a draw. Like, I think that was very situational and fluky. Um, He's just going to be involved because he was involved anyway, right before the, the Mac injury happened. And, you know, you start running through some of these names, like, you know, Chase Edmonds, it was clear to me anyway that Kenyon Drake was still like the guy. Kenyon Drake was on the field when Chase Edmonds scored that touchdown. It just happened to be he was the diversion. He was the play action, and Chase Edmonds was the one who was going out to the flat to catch that touchdown. Um, you know, Sony Michelle obviously going to be in a timeshare time, situation. Well, and, it, it's a lot like the Bills situation with Sony Michelle, yeah, where Cam, Cam's going to score a lot of these touchdowns. And that's exactly he had the one, but like that. I don't even think he ended up inside the top 20 at running back despite no. scoring a touchdown. He's basically Miles Gaskin who doesn't catch the ball. But Well, they also have like J.J. Taylor, I think his name is, who came in and played like 10 snaps or something and looks like the exact type of player that Bill Belichick will want to utilize. Like he was the guy that got the Patriots, uh, I think it was like 20 consecutive seasons now. They've had an undrafted free agent make their 53-man roster. And he, he just seems to love those guys. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of these guys on your waiver wire ranks and, and understandably so it's just like it's handcuffs, it's split situations, it's it's stuff like that. I, I think Hines and, and, you know, to an extent too, James Robinson and Malcolm Brown, who I, I do think are like legitimate ads this week. Um, yeah, uh, they're well, kind of in a class by themselves. I well, think. well, here's the thing. I think Hines, it's very clear he's number one. I think you can kind of debate everything else, but I do think that James Robinson is a clear number two. Again, in competitive leagues, he was just drafted. But if he's still lingering on your waiver wire, it was very clear to me, despite being down for a lot of that game, that James Robinson was getting all of the touches. He even got more involved in the passing game than Chris Thompson did, despite two very early catches for Chris Thompson. He did nothing after that. It was all James Robinson on the ground, and they did start to utilize him through the air. The funny thing about that game was that the Jays just never had the ball. Like, the Colts, yeah. every time, like, because I had a high vested interest in my uh, DJ Chark and Gardner Minshew stack. Now, fortunately, Chark caught that early touchdown, and Minshew went 19 for 20, but they either went three and out, essentially, or they scored immediately, and then it was just Rivers dink and dunk all the way down the field, taking up like 10 minutes at a time. So I do think that Robinson is going to be their featured guy. I don't worry about Armstead or Ozigbo coming back at this point, unless he sucks in taking his job. Malcolm Brown, you, got, you have to go at him based on what you saw in the Sunday night game, but he is not an overpay for me. Like, if you can get him for 15 fab bucks, which you won't, right. then I'm not getting him. Like... Cam Akers started that game. We saw this in week one. What was it last? Was it last year or two years ago? The Brown had the two touchdowns. Now he was far more, more involved. 
uh, in this offense than he was at that time last year. It was still all girly, and then Brown came in the red zone. I think that he will be a cog in this offense, but you have to remember Daryl Henderson was mainly banged up for two weeks coming into this game. Yes, he was active, but... I would expect his role to be a little bit larger as well. So I don't think you should go break the bank on Malcolm Brown. He Pick him up, sure. Get him for cheap, sure. But the other two guys, I think, are in a class of their own, maybe. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know what? I want to give Brown some credit, though. He did look good. The offensive line looked great. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, last year they they had some some issues. You know, Whitworth obviously wasn't 100% healthy, but that offensive line looked great. And I had a chuckle, like, when Brown said last week that everyone is sleeping on him in fantasy. It's like, dude, yeah, you're right. Absolutely everybody is sleeping on you because you're 0% owned. But he had all the goal line work. Cam Akers did start and, you know, ended up with double digit carries. And that's again, another example of maybe over time, you know, Akers comes in and and takes the role from, from Malcolm Brown. But yeah, this was last year, Pat, I think it was week one when he had the, a couple red zone rushing attempts that he found the end zone. And we were all worried about Todd Gurley, but Malcolm Brown is going to have a role in this offense. He caught a few balls as well. I think he had a couple targets in the red zone. I agree. I'm, I wouldn't spend too much, but again, on top of everything that we're just saying, you're like, yeah, week one went perfectly with no COVID, not a lot of injuries. Things are going to happen. And I think you can be aggressive with Hines, but you don't want to be spending, you know, 30, 35% on a guy like Brown when there could truly be a committee with three backs absolutely involved there. So I, again, like, I don't want to say save all your money, be aggressive if you need some help at the running back position, but things are going to happen. And some of these committees will turn into just single, you know, backfields, but I want to give some credit to Malcolm Brown. Cause he did look pretty solid last night. Sure. Yeah. But, like you would need to lose one of the guys and with Henderson. Coming well, Henderson, up, I don't think is going to be a factor. I, I do think he's going to be a factor. I think like he's going to soak up like on any given week. I think it's going to change like at, Best case, I think you're looking at a 50-50 split between Akers and Malcolm Brown. Maybe Brown ends up with the more valuable touches. That would be great. Then you can play him every single week. But if Henderson gets into this mix in some weeks, it, it, Gary, remember the old like Denver situation? Like Even from last year, it's like, oh, do you play Philip Lindsay or do you play Royce Freeman? It's like, oh, Devontae Booker played 30% of the snaps. I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's, like it's going to be like that. Well, they, I mean, they to a T, I remember going through a bunch of game logs last season. It would be exactly between... 30% to 39% snap share for all three of those running backs. You're right. I, I could definitely see it going that way. And I don't look at Malcolm Brown in the same way that I do look at Hines or I do look at Robinson, but I think it is telling. Maybe that was more the point I was trying to get across that even someone whose situation is as complex as Brown's is, and is probably going to continue to be, he's still the number three guy. I think clearly in terms of these rankings. And that's again, to kind of double back, why I think Heinz is so valuable and why you really have to be aggressive with that fab because, you know, yes, he's locked into a two-back committee, but a two-back committee might actually be the lesser of many evils yeah. when we're talking about three-back or four-back committees. Like, you know, Pat talked about Miles Gaskin right off the top and, you know, watching that game and, and knowing the Dolphins' depth chart probably better than most people should, uh, it was shocking when you really – talked about especially considering the adp of like jordan howard and matt Breida, where it was so close people were basically saying it's a coin flip between these two guys it's the thunder it's the lightning it's it's the classic running back combo we've seen so many times and it turns out that Breida doesn't get a touch until the second quarter and that comes after gaskin gets touches that comes after patrick laird makes a catch out of the backfield so i mean gaskin 
dominated the snap count in that game. And I guess you do have to consider that, you know, someone like Jordan Howard is always going to be the goal line back and that he did nick his hamstring and and he didn't play a percentage of the snaps in that game. But again, you kind of run through some of these names like Jarek McKinnon, nice game led to the greatest announcer moment. We'll probably have all season. So that was fun. Um, but obviously his role probably shrinks when, as soon as their wide receiving core gets healthy, or, right? or, and, or when Tevin Coleman's like, they play in New York next week. And I think yeah. Tevin Coleman was the, they weren't sure if he was going to play or not because of the sickle cell mm-hmm. condition that yeah. with the air quality in San Francisco, like he just wasn't going to play a lot. We might see something different next week and send Jarek maybe out to the slot, but just probably fewer snaps to go to the dolphins though. Gaskin played 39 snaps. Breda played 14, Howard played nine, and Laird played four. But Howard had seven carries on his nine snaps, and he was third in the league in rushes inside the five-yard line. Yeah. So, like, none of these guys um, are worth owning. <laughs> right. No. And, and that's, again, it, it all doubles back. It all doubles back to why someone like Hines or someone like Robinson, who, you know, 17 touches. Uh, I know Mike Clay, uh, our boy Hollywood Mike, uh, was kind of talking him up before week one and mentioned that, this is someone who led the FCS in yards after contact last season. Like he does have a skill set, and he does have, you know, the advanced metrics a little bit on his side, even if it is at a lower level than the FBS. Um, but there's just not a lot out here. It's you're truly like dumpster diving when it comes to the waiver wire at this point of the season. So I don't know, like Gaskin was a draft pick of this current dolphins regime. Uh, if they're not clearly, they're not, liking what they've seen so far in camp uh, out of Matt Breida, or they're worried about his health. And then, you know, Jordan Howard's not exactly going to blow anyone away. Like I don't want to overrate miles Gaskin, but I would seriously consider throwing out like five, six, seven bucks and just seeing if you can get him and stash him because there is a scenario like it's on there's, there's an outcome this season, however small it might be that miles Gaskin is the starting running back for the dolphins playing like 60 to 70% of the snaps. Uh, because he is a three down back. He at least has that profile. So if you want to shoot for upside there, like I, I think he's just got more upside than someone like, you know, Boston Scott under normal circumstances or Chris Thompson under normal circumstances, but you might not see the return immediately. Well, to so back Pat that I just wanted to jump in here and, and just say like, yeah, Howard has always been the, the goal line guy. He was last year in Philly and and he probably will be, I guess in Miami. I would rather take a shot on a guy like Chase Evans. So I think we just kind of glossed over like, yeah, Kenyon Drake was, was still the guy there, but could this be like a Drake Edmonds backfield, much like it is like a chump hunt. Like yeah. Edmonds had five targets, the second most targets. He could be potentially a league winner for you. We've never seen Drake in like a full season, like kind of like balls to the wall. Like That's it's true. almost reminds me of like a Damian Williams where, yeah, he's in a nice situation. He only needs a handful of touches to be productive. And last year with Arizona eight games four unbelievable games in four awful games right and he's still I don't know if he's completely 100% healthy but I noticed Chase Edmonds getting used in some red zone packages he was involved through the air and I know we it was a very small sample size last year I believe he only had the one game with DJ sidelined and Drake sidelined and it was against the Giants but this was somebody who proved that he can handle a full work workload and it's an up-tempo offense and they ran that up-tempo offense yesterday against the Niners so I think he's kind of maybe underrated as if you don't get a Hines or a Robinson, 
don't be afraid to be semi-aggressive, maybe to 10 to 15% with Chase Edmonds, because I think he could turn out to just be a flex or like potential league winner for you. Yeah, it seems like he's going to have value every week because Edmonds and Drake play at the same time and he'll be involved in the passing game. And like Gary had mentioned, when you get Drake and you establish him, you establish that run with Kenny and Drake, or at least the perceived threat of him running, then all of a sudden Chase Evans is just open out of the backfield and they run so many plays and play at such a high pace that even through attrition that he can pile up a lot of work here. I did want to talk about Joshua Kelly though. And we kind of talked about Austin Eckler and we'll kind of dig into him a little bit more because I have a very serious question for you about Austin Eckler. But was Joshua Kelly's role in this offense and it was mainly inside the five yard line although he did pile up double digit carries on the ground only one target between him and Eckler from Tyrod Taylor and until Justin Ebel comes in that I think that's what we're going to see we're not going to see a bunch of dump offs to the running backs but is this just a product of Justin Jackson getting hurt and Kelly seizing that role like do you see this going forward because I kind of do I I'm not as confident I would say as you are, I do think Justin Jackson still probably has a role on this team when healthy. And I, I still look at this situation as Eckler is probably going to end up playing somewhere in the realm of like 65 to 75% of the snaps each week. So if you're, if you're really cutting back uh, Kelly's role at all and, and kind of making him like a two, three combo with Justin Jackson. I'm just not really sure I see all that much potential. And then in the larger scope, as you talked about, this isn't exactly a system that we think is going to lead to a lot of running back targets in the passing game. And they're probably just not going to score a lot of points period. Uh, And when you're bringing in Justin Herbert, a rookie quarterback who didn't get any time in preseason to kind of hone his, uh, his NFL persona. Like, I don't think he's suddenly coming in and I don't know, we, seven week eight week nine whenever it happens like that's not going to turn this offense around either so when you're looking at like tertiary pieces of what's probably going to be a bottom 10 offense i'm just not all that thrilled yeah meaning here's my serious question and i'm I, I am dead serious about this who scores more fantasy points in a ppr league this season naheem hines or austin eckler oh man i think it might be hines it, it may be Heinz. Uh, it's so crazy to talk about week one. We don't want to overreact too much, but Taylor has never been a guy that stumped it off to these running backs. I mean, you mentioned it one target, one grab. He didn't even look his way. And that's 100% con- concerning. We knew that he, the usage was going to drop. I mean, he had what over hundred targets, 90 grabs last year. That just wasn't going to happen. Garyan's dead on. It's 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 an offense that's probably not going to score a lot of points. Uh, the defense is still respectable with the injuries that they've had. They still have some legit players on defense that can keep things close and slow the pace down. I actually am in on Kelly. Uh, I don't think that uh, Jackson's all that good of a running back. I think he had his opportunity last year. I know it was a crowded backfield, but there were some injuries, and he had a chance to to be productive and and, and you know get a few carries. Kelly just, he looked pretty good and, you know, double digit carries. You're right. Not, nothing in the passing game. That's probably not going to happen, even though he does to me, that's why I like him over Jackson. He has more of a true three down appeal to him as opposed to Jackson, but inside the red zone, when they get there, whether it's Taylor running for, you know, his life, or it's just, you know, let's give the ball over to Kelly. I mean, he had four red zone rushing attempts. It's not going to happen with Austin Eckler. We know he's not that type of back. We've seen it before in the past. He can do that. And, and I think it was week one, two, and three. He had a lot of red zone usage and, and carrying the ball. But, yeah, to go back to your point, man, it, it may be Hines. Because right now, I can't say with confidence that Eckler is going to get five targets a game. And we know that Hines is going to get that easily. What do you think, Arian? 
Man, that's crazy. I mean, I I'll think th- this is one of those situations where the answer matters less than just the fact we can pose the question, right? Like the fact that it's even a debate really speaks to just how worried you are right now if you spent a late first or an early second on Austin Eckler. I, and it's, but, but I don't even want to take this away. Like, it's not like Eckler didn't touch the ball. It's just where his no. where his fantasy value is derived just... His, catch, his pass catching. His pass yeah. catching just seems to be... And I think he'll get more than one target a week. But, just yeah, based on I, the, but it's not going to be nine targets a week like it was with Rivers. That's why I think I would take... Like, what do you... Obviously, you don't trade Eckler because there's no value for him right now because people are saying that he had a perceived bad week, although he had 19 touches, which is really what you're trying to mine. Fantasy points will follow. But I, it's more of a conversation of, I think Hines is on that level, like top 15 running back PPR, like between him and Taylor, like just getting rid of Mac does so much. Yeah. And if the Colts, like yeah. you said, aren't going to be awesome and they're going to be passing a bunch, like, oh, sign me up. No, it's 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 definitely saying more about Hines in a positive sense. And and look, I still think Eckler is going to be I don't want to say fine because, you know, you have to kind of bake in what the perception was. Uh, and I think I don't think he's going to complain or anything, but I think this will be a situation where, you know, knowing how they almost lost this game. I mean, they were a Randy Bullock pinched like calf muscle away from this game going to overtime. Quote unquote. Um, yeah, quote unquote. We don't quite know if that happened or not, but um you know, I, I think they're going to have to sit down and go like, okay, this is what worked last season. Tyrod, you're not very good. Maybe just throw it to, you know, a guy who is, if not our best offensive weapon, uh, our second best offensive weapon. He just has to be more involved in an aspect of his game where he tends to flourish. So I think it's going to get better. I think they will focus on the running backs and try to get them a little bit more involved in the game plan going forward. But, you know, when we talk about Kelly versus Edmonds, uh, in terms of the rankings, like I, I think that one thing you kind of have to think about, and I think Chris made a really good point just about the red zone packages and sort of the pace of the offense and the creativity. I trust Cliff Kingsbury to get a player like Chase Edmonds involved in the ways that he needs to be involved in an offense. Even if Joshua Kelly is going to sit here and be like a 35% you know, snap rate kind of guy, the clear number two, and maybe even pill for some goal line carries, away from Austin Eckler. If the Chargers can't even use Austin Eckler correctly, how can I expect them to use Joshua Kelly correctly? Yeah, and again, this would only be for a PPR setting. I I think in standard leagues, it's going to be very, very close, but Eckler probably still retains his value in that circumstance. But in a split situation, give me the guy getting the catches uh, over the guy not getting the catches. This worries, like, I mean, I had huge doubts about Melvin Gordon as well, and obviously we're going to see him in the Monday night game, but so much of his value too was derived from Rivers dumping him the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really week one is the best in terms of like, what, what should we be reacting to and what should we not be overreacting to? Because I even, one of my sort of like three takeaways uh, from the week and, and I wanted to like run it by you guys because I wasn't quite sure if I was just being insane or if it was something that I should actually be worried about going forward. But you know, it's nowhere near the threat level that Austin Eckler is, but was there any concern about how Alvin Kamara was used? in that saints game because there was so so much just just a crazy amount of work for latavius murray in that game and then you know Taysom hill is gonna do his thing and like snake away goal line carries and rushes and i know it's it's like how can you complain about a guy who almost scored three touchdowns in a single game and say he had a bad game quote unquote but i mean i had take away the touchdowns and like 
what was there really to see there from Alvin Kamara? I know he's going to be involved in the passing game, but it was just a little nerve wracking seeing how much Latavius was in that game. I, I think a lot of it has to do with this epidural. He got in his back like a week ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think they just really wanted to limit what he was up to. I mean, they just invested a whole lot of money at running back yeah. for Alvin Kamara to like keep him healthy, make sure he gets through. But if the, his floor is going to be, I mean, take away the touchdowns. If his floor is going to be that involved in the passing game, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, but I wouldn't expect to see that big of a split between Kamara and Latavius Murray once Kamara is back at like 100% healthy. Meaning, um, just very quickly on some of these other guys, Ravens backfield, what is going on there? A committee again. This is this is one of my storylines. You just look across the league, and and the Ravens is they're one of those teams you can mix in with with Buffalo, uh, Detroit, heck, even Cleveland. Right? Chubb didn't get a whole lot of play there. We already talked about Miami, Tampa Bay as well. We'll, we'll see maybe that backfield um, play out, but. I mean, they just, they just, they drafted Dobbins, right? I mean, and, and Ingram is a guy that I know that you don't like, and they have a lot of running backs there. Gus Edwards, what did he have over 700 rushing yards? And then you have Lamar Jackson. So it, I think it's going to be a complete mess. I really do. I think, you know, from the, I don't know if they're going to ride the hot hand where Ingram has to bust a couple runs and then they keep him on, he gets into double digit carries, but it looks like if you, I'm, I'm on your Ingram side for the first time yeah. I think ever, it looks like. If you drafted Ingram as like, you know, oh, you know, he's fine. You know, he could be my RB2 in the fifth round because he's going to get that goal line work. And they they like to run the football there in Baltimore. Maybe he gets double-digit carries. He catches a few balls. It's like, well, maybe you need to think again because um, Dobbins is legit. He He's a nice back. He was getting some work in, in the red zone. So it's, it's, again, it's just I go across the league and I look at a lot of these running back by committees and it, it's going to be completely frustrating. So, um, yeah, I mean, I look at the upside and I think Dobbins and plus what this is Ingram's last year. I mean, this is this is probably going to be a, a Lamar Jackson and Dobbins uh, just pound and attack. Right. Yeah. Um, any more on running backs? Like, do you want to talk about the Detroit backfield, Gary? Because it looks like it's going to be swift, but it's going to be oh. like 50 percent swift at best. Is it though? It could be AP. How many carries oh. did he have yesterday? I think he had AP 14 for 93. I mean, yeah, get, I mean, it's frustrating as hell. We all want AP to go away, but is he going to go away? It's like Washington too. Like I thought that Antonio Gibson looked like the better back, but Barber gets 17 carries for 29 yards. He leads all backs in red zone rushing attempts with 10 yesterday. I think that they grabbed AP for a reason. This is Matt Patricia. We've said this before with Gary on Johnson and other backs that they've had on this team. Yeah, sure. Over time, again, it could be one of those backfields that Swift comes in and gets more carries. But if AP is healthy, Pat, AP's getting double digit carries. It may be, but that's not so much what I'm concerned about. The pass catching back was Swift, despite the fact that he dropped the touchdown sure. at the end of the yeah. game. He played 44% yeah. of the snaps in that backfield, and like 20, and like half of those basically came as a receiver, either out wide yeah. or from the slot. He had five targets. Uh, he got the only goal line carry that Detroit had in the entire game. Uh, and towards the end of the game, it was all Swift on the field. So they hate carry on Johnson. Like he's going yes. to be involved, yes. but like, 10%, 20% involved. Like, if you're looking for someone to potentially buy low on, the fact that he dropped that touchdown is actually kind of a good thing for fantasy purposes, if you didn't. Play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it is definitely a situation where you could buy low because there was such a public moment, um, not only with the drop touchdown, but I think, you know, if you watched any of that game, just the gushing the announcing crew was doing over Adrian Peterson, 
Uh, and we should also say that Tim mentioned it was not an AP week. He is no longer the AP whisperer just going forward. If anyone wants to know, um, but it's, you know, to, to kind of bring this all back and put a nice little bow on it. Like you, you mentioned it earlier, Pat, but you almost have to start looking at these committees. Like first and foremost, just approach most teams. Like they're going to have a running back committee. That's just how you have to operate. But now there's like a subsect of that where it's, are they a team that has a running back community or uh, committee and a rushing quarterback? Because there are a lot of those now too. We just talked about the Ravens. We just talked about the bills where, you know, mm. you've got two guys splitting carries and splitting snaps and then losing rushing yards, even Arizona. Like that's another place right now where we talk about chase Edmonds versus Kenyon Drake, but leading rusher is the quarterback with 91 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, it's in Detroit, it, it sounds weird to say, and it sounds almost just like an afterthought, but you, you almost have to give Swift a little boost just because we know Stafford is not going to be scrambling all that often. Uh, week one running back injuries, Marlon Mack and that Achilles, he could be out for the rest of the year. Now, obviously, the spend all your money on Heinz type fab budget would you know be contingent with Mack being out for the year. Narrowing that from three running backs to two running backs is such an essential part of this. Le'Veon Bell injured his hamstring. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be ready for week two. Adam Gase has already apologized for putting him back in the game because he was very clearly got hurt in the first, in the second quarter of that game. Uh, and then he was back out in the third quarter. And then, you know, they were down by so much anyway. It really didn't make a difference. I don't really have any interest in Jets running backs as it is. It, it, Jets running backs to be in the Peyton Barber bucket for me. It's like, I just don't fucking care. Like, let's, let's just move on <laughs> and just hope that this person goes away. I don't care about Josh Adams. I don't care about Frank Gore, especially against the Niners next week. And then Bell, if he does miss this week, he'd be back. Duke Johnson exited the game, hurt his ankle. Justin Jackson hurt his quad, exited the game. They're both questionable for week two. Miles Sanders obviously didn't play with his hamstring, but all reports said that he probably could have gone, and they just took the game against Washington far too lightly that that he probably should have played in that game. So I would expect to see him in week two. Um, Rashad Penny didn't play. Scarborough, Armstead, Damian Harris, and Ozigbo all go on IR. Um, so they're not going to be around for at least three weeks because that's the new rule for this season. Uh, very quickly at wide receiver, meaning I just don't see a whole lot um, in terms of like big, big pickups at wide receiver. I have Anthony Miller, my guy, the Frenchman, Paris Campbell at number two, uh, Mike Williams, Alan Lazard, Jalen Ragor. Russell Gage, Sammy Watkins, Danny Amendola, contingent on the Galladay injury, I suppose. Then Curtis Samuel uh, down there as well. Um, I don't think you need to go break the bank on any of these guys, but I think that Miller should definitely be owned. And Campbell is completely, basically unowned in most leagues, and he does appear to be the 1B or the 2 in Indianapolis. Yeah, I would say that's probably correct. Um, you and I have T.Y. Hilton in that league of leagues. <laughs> that might be a big yikes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that's correct. Uh, you mentioned Sammy, you glossed over him, you know, you know, cause that was a Thursday night game. It wasn't yesterday. I was, you know, typical classic Sammy Watkins week one, but I thought it was interesting the usage he got McCole Harmon really just wasn't involved. So like those Hardman owners, I don't know if I'd panic. I don't know how deep your league is, but if you're just looking for a home run shot, you probably won't get it with Hardman as long as Sammy is healthy. Uh, Lazard 42%. I, I still think he is the, the number two in that, in that passing attack. But again, I, I just wasn't impressed with that Viking secondary. Very young, and and didn't they didn't look good at all. Um, not completely buying into Robbie Anderson, but it was interesting. He got that big touchdown. He's thirty one percent. But 
that's probably it. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, Gage had the good day, Amendola, but there was no Kenny Galladay, right? So um, I would just temper expectations there. But Anthony Miller probably uh, atop the list. You mentioned Rager. He only had the the one catch, a couple targets his way. It was a, it was a deep bomb. Uh, I think he'll get more involved. And again, that offensive line is not great. They're going to have to make some adjustments in Philly. They're going to have to get the ball out of Wentz's hands uh, really quick. And you saw that last night. I thought the Rams did a good job with with that with Goff. Like, they ran a lot, but they just avoided all the pressure that Dallas dialed up by getting the ball out quick. Uh, so Rager could be a nice little play. But that there's nothing really that stands out to me at the wide receiver position. Yeah, me either. I, I wouldn't extend my budget on this, Gary, by any means. No. Uh, like you said, Miller needs to be owned. Uh, Anthony, Campbell... Anthony Miller, because people are like, Scotty Miller's so sick. <laughs> like, let's calm down. Let's pump the brakes on yeah. Scotty Miller. I think uh, <laughs> I think Mike Evans is probably going to be a little bit healthier going forward and probably getting a bigger target share. But uh, yeah, Anthony Miller needs to be owned. Uh, Campbell, again, we y- you do have to temper expectations slightly just in the sense that we just spent an hour talking about how Philip Rivers peppered his running backs with like a 45% target share. So that's obviously going to have diminishing returns for, you know, the non TY Hilton wide receivers, because you would expect he's probably going to get more involved going forward. I don't necessarily have a problem. If either the Packers wide receivers are out on your waiver wire, if you just want a little exposure to an offense that looked good in week one, uh, that has pedigree, obviously in Aaron Rodgers, and, uh, and, sure. and, and it's a decent matchup, like, but all of the Packers, like next, three games like weeks two three and four should all be like high scoring games they have a bye in week five <laughs> huh well i mean that's that's when they start someone's gotta have a bye in week five i guess uh and i the sammy watkins thing i, I keep thinking about it almost like how fantasy owners kind of treat bullpens sometimes where there's like that 37 year old closer who's actually terrible and there's this like 22 year old setup guy who's throwing like 105 and everyone's like, oh man, his FIP is negative 0.1 and a half. Like he's got to be the closer and everyone goes and runs out and picks him up. But it's this awful 37 year old dude who keeps picking up the saves. Like, you know, Hardman can be as amazing as you want him to be uh, from like a spark perspective. And he is. And I think when he finally gets some run in this offense, he's going to be dynamic. But if Sammy's going to play 87% of the snaps for a team this good. Yeah, of course, it's funny. It's funny that he scored three touchdowns in week one last season and then never did anything else the rest of the year. But you got to strip away the name. You have to strip away the name and say, wide receiver X is playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a huge target share in week one. And, you know, that's just a good spot. I know it's Sammy Watkins, but it's a good spot. So if he's still available in, in, you know, your shallower leagues... Pick him up. It, Would you sell high on pick him up? Would you sell high on him? I, I don't think you can. That's right. I, I think his perception is just so tainted by this like, oh, Sammy best ball Watkins, even though he's not even really a good best ball player. But um, no, I I would just hang on at this point because I don't think anything you would get back would be a good enough return just because he's he's there's just so much negative buzz surrounding that guy, whether it's injuries or the fact he's as inconsistent as he is. But He's just one of those classic situations where I think you do have to strip away the name and just look at the situation, and it's it's much better than you would think on the surface. One of the big names I think people are going to go at is Russell Gage, who 
listen, I, I enjoy myself some Russell Gage, but I don't think we're going to be seeing those kind of targets every single, unless the Falcons are legit playing from 30 behind every single week. Like, Am I? Possible. It, it could be possible. They, they were getting to Russell Wilson. They just couldn't stop Russell Wilson uh, was the <laughs> issue with that. It was, like the, it was like the Washington defense where in the first half they were just scoring fantasy points through sacks and picks but still giving up a bunch of points. It was just really weird how that worked out. But, Gage, you're, just ne- you're never going to know when to start him is the problem. And even if Ridley or Julio goes down, I don't think it makes him any better. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I think it was just, you know, you had Jamal Adams at Seattle kind of on Hayden Hurst. I think Hurst would be a little bit more involved moving forward. It was just a high scoring game. I actually do think the Falcons will probably play to the over quite a bit. I don't believe in their defense at all. And and Matt Ryan's always been in the top two or three in terms of just dropbacks. I mean, he, he throws the football a ton. I was a little shocked that he didn't throw it to, to Gurley, but uh, I would agree, Pat. We talked about Gage before when we started this, you know, uh, before week one, we had said, yeah, Gage is an interesting target. But when, I, when are you ever going to feel comfortable, you know, starting him? Because really, you look at the, the 12 targets, nine grabs, but I think, you know, on a normal game script, maybe a neutral game script, this guy's like the fourth option, you know, in, in the passing game when you get Gurley more involved. So, um yeah, I, I think Gage is just a deep, deep league ad. I would rather a guy like maybe uh, LaVisca Chenault, who could turn out to be uh, the, the number two in Jacksonville. Like, he's only 12%. Like, I still think that that defense is going to be bad, and they're going to have to throw more than they did yesterday. Hopefully. So I would, I'd rather take an, yeah, I'd rather take an upshot. Yeah, we, you mentioned Minshew, like 19 for 20. Like, this guy was almost perfect yesterday. Yeah, but a lot of it was, like, low dot throws. Chark, it was. Chark, had, Chark was basically, like, wide open, and he connected with him, and he just got... The defender knew, like it, it was over if Chark got this and basically just tackled him. <laughs> it was a pass, it was like a forty-yard pass interference, but like that's where all of Chark's fantasy points vanished into thin air. Tight ends. Uh, two of these guys play tonight that I have one and three. I have Jonu at number one, uh, especially with like Corey Davis banged up. Like I know Derrick Henry's going to do all of the heavy lifting here, but it's not like AJ Brown is a target monster. He's just a high efficiency player. And I can see Jonu soaking up like five, six, seven targets per game in this offense, especially if the Titans defense isn't quite as good. I have Goddard at number two, Eric Ebron at number three. Again, he plays tonight. I want to see what his role, like it's all talk with Eric Ebron. We, we actually need to see this in action at this point, Gary. But I think those are the yeah. only three. I think in deeper leagues, like Logan Thomas really got a lot of he cut the touchdown he got a lot of looks from Dwayne Haskins yeah no look if 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 he's gonna start and play as many snaps and see as many targets as he did I I don't think I'm you know necessary and this is just a product of it being tight end like I'm not someone who likes carrying a backup tight end on my fantasy teams but if you need somebody he's gonna be a streamer at this point each and every week and you can't overlook that amount of volume uh when it comes to Ebron I think this is really interesting just kind of how he's utilized because we we're hearing a lot of stuff coming out of Pittsburgh, not just about sort of what Ebron's role could be, but also that battle for the third wide receiver spot between Chase Claypool and James Washington. And Chase Claypool is kind of built like a tight end. Anyway, this guy is massive. And, you know, I, I think that we could maybe just kind of see the Steelers of old with, with Ben Roethlisberger healthy again. I mean, we're talking about a team that went from, you know, an AFC high 66% pass ratio in 2018 to just like 57% last year. We know they love to line up in three wide receiver sets or empty backfield sets with Ben out of the shotgun and just let this guy rip it. So I don't know, maybe there's enough volume. 
for Eric Ebron and three wide receivers uh, to kind of survive with Pittsburgh. But uh, I do think it is going to be a lot of just Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't really know if Ebron is going to settle even into like a top 12 role. Uh, again, my rankings will be updated following the Monday night games up on DKPlaybook.com. And after this video is over live, you'll be able to find the link in the description of this video and podcast. Smash the like while you're out there as well. Do you have any like hot t- I you know Goddard looked great. Um, and if this offense is going to be perpetually banged up, meaning like, he's going to be good. Yeah, I was going to just touch on him. You you had him. You had Johnny, I think, ahead of him. I, I think I would go Goddard. I know a lot of people are hesitant because of oh, Zach Ertz, but you're right. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was on the sidelines more than he was on the field yesterday, so he's already not 100%. Alshon Jeffrey is not 100%. I don't even know if he has absolutely anything left. And a lot of the attention goes to Zach Ertz in the middle of the field, and that's what we saw a lot yesterday was Dallas Goddard was just getting open. He's strong after the catch. He's a red zone threat for Zach Ertz, and I he talked about the offensive line it's bad it's going to be bad all year long so he's going to be on the field quite a bit so i think he's like a, a low-end tight end one I, I like i don't suggest picking him up if you're a nerds owner but you can start him I, I think week in and week out he just he just looked pretty good yeah he's always until he does it for like four games in a row he's always going to be cheaper on DraftKings too which is always yeah. very very nice uh, i guess it is also sorry pat i was just gonna say it is worth mentioning uh mike Kosicki. if we're just going to talk about our favorite teams I, I i have him at four I yeah no yeah, like sticky. I, I just think that uh obviously if uh Devontae parker who sort of like alshon jeffrey uh just always injured always leg injuries always foot injuries like had the hamstring left that game they don't really have any wide receiver depth. I mean, you're talking about a team that lost uh, Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson to COVID opt-outs. So they're down to one of their top four wide receivers uh, if Devontae Parker is forced to miss any time because of this hamstring issue. And, you know, it, it'll just be Preston Williams and it'll be Mike Kosicki going forward. And it's probably a team that's going to have to throw the ball a lot because I don't think they're going to be winning all that often. Oh, yeah, and Pat, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Blake Jarwin potentially done for the year too. So you could yeah, have had Jarwin, I don't know, two tight end sets or yeah. two tight end leagues or, leagues or whatever. Logan Thomas, um, he is going to probably be second on that team in terms of targets. Like he's going to get a, a lot of work. I mean, we say this all the time with the young quarterbacks leaning on tight ends, but whether it's McLaurin and McLaurin can handle top coverage. We've seen it before, but Slay kind of was all over him and that's going to be the attention to just try to take away McLaurin. So I think Logan Thomas is actually a sneaky little ad. Yeah, it does look like Jerwin Key. It's not an official report yet that he blew out his ACL, but that's very likely uh, until we get the MRI results back. I just have him as doubtful for week two at the moment, but he, like Marlon Mack, could just be done for the season. Kittle hurt himself at the end of that game, too. Or actually, in the, like, the second quarter of that game, he came back. He Jordan didn't. Reed. Well, Jordan Reed had a catch, and then he's over on the sidelines, like, holding his knee. It's like, oh, God. Uh, he, he was able to get back into the game as well. But I assume Kittle's going to be all right. But it's something to – it's like the Michael Thomas thing from the very last play when uh, Latavius Murray kind of rolled up on his ankle a little bit. Yeah. That You're just like, yeah, want to monitor this throughout the week to see how it goes. But Yeah, it's, it's definitely not something you want to see. QB stream. Uh, I, I got some QB streamers here for you. I won't go through the entire list because that you know that's up on a website. You can just go read the list. But Jimmy G at the Jets, number one. Let's yep. go. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they, they could potentially get a little bit more healthier next week too. And you mentioned Tevin Coleman. Maybe he plays. But, yeah, it's the, any, anybody against the Jets, it's such a plus matchup. 
Uh, I got Minshew at number two at Tennessee, Daniel Jones at Chicago. I wasn't like blown away with how like their defense at all. And I think Daniel Jones is just going to be a good fantasy guy. Just like, just like Gardner Minshew, they're going to run around. They might even throw some picks, which is going to have help their scoring and more throwing throughout the game. I like that Trubisky against the giants and Tannehill against Jacksonville. But I think it's like Jimmy, like Jimmy G is widely available. Gary. Yeah. And look, as someone who was heavily invested in Josh Allen in DFS this weekend, there is no greater joy than having your quarterback go up against the New York Jets. They are pitiful. It, it is just bad. And really, Josh Allen handed them two red zone turnovers, so it could have been a lot worse than it actually turned yeah. out to be. And look, Garoppolo is obviously a very different type of quarterback than Josh Allen is. He's not someone who's going to create all that much with his legs. Debo Samuel's on the IR, so we know he's already not going to be available in week two. That's, you know, it's a little worrisome, obviously, but... Uh, right now, I'm just trusting that matchup more than anything else. Yeah, it's going to be the weakest matchup all year. It's the matchup to pick on for streaming quarterbacks, at least at the moment. Like, Fitzmagic's going to get his turn. Obviously, Cam is owned. Josh Allen is owned. But we're just going to see a cavalcade of quarterbacks come through here and just stream them against the Jets. So, yeah, so Garoppolo, Minshew, Daniel Jones, Trubisky, and Ryan Tannehill. Then you can kind of go down to, like, the Bakers or the Burrows. But I, I just I don't want to deal with that on a Thursday night. Streaming Ds to close out the waiver wire. Uh People don't own the Rams because they were playing the Cowboys, but they get the Eagles next week. And that defensive line looked mighty, Meany. Yeah, it, it really did. Um, yeah, I was I was talking to a buddy yesterday and we were just joking about Chase Young and and how like much of a tank he looks like. And then we were just like looking at, oh, wait, Aaron Donald next week, uh, Darnold against, um, you know, that Eagles O-line. So I agree. I, I have the Rams here on my short list. I, I, I like Washington too. Like their secondary is, is not great. Like I give them a lot of credit what they were able to do. They're going to j- be able to dial up a lot of pressure, but the Rams check in at under 50% on Yahoo. And it's just a plus matchup. Like they will be a top three defense this week. So I got the Rams, the bears against the giants, Arizona against Washington, Washington at Arizona, Kansas City at the Chargers, then Cleveland against Cincinnati on Thursday evening. My takeaway from Joe Burrow, Garion, was that he has the potential to be better Josh Allen, just the way that he kind of plays. Like, he's just jittery and all over the place. But I think yeah. that overall his skill set's a little bit better. But he looked, like, panicky in the first quarter of that game. Yeah, and look, I think he looked better as the game went along, which you would kind of expect for someone making their NFL debut. Um, and I also, I, I, I talked about this a lot before the week one slate, but I, I do think there was this misperception. I don't want to turn into Jeff Feinberg here, but I think there was a misperception that when Derwin James went down that suddenly the Chargers had a bad defense, where that is really the furthest thing from the truth. They still have amazing players at each level. Their secondary, from a coverage perspective, is fantastic you know they still got Joey Bosa they still got Melvin Ingram like they've got some really really good players that can cause a rookie quarterback to have a couple headaches so but yeah I think the the one play well the two plays the Joe Burrow experience are that 30 yard touchdown run where you're like wow this guy can do some incredible things and that time when he tried to throw backwards (laughs) to Joe Mixon and almost like gave the Chargers a defensive touchdown so I think you're right I think better Josh Allen is kind of like a really a really apt description of where he is right now in his career. So he could be someone that's kind of fun uh, to use a fantasy defense against because he's going to be aggressive and uh, you never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to take him a while to be better than Josh Allen because fantasy-wise, Josh Allen's still the king. Uh, who knows of what's going to happen. And he's, I think Josh Allen ran 14 times in that game, maybe more. Uh, so 
I'm highly encouraged to see that as a fantasy owner. Uh, hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But Burrow looks like he's kind of on that path. Fan- I'm, I'm not saying like real life they look like the same quarterback. No. They, they make some from a fantasy heads. profile. Though, yeah, yeah, from a fantasy profile, this is what we're shaping up. And Josh Allen is so good uh, as a fantasy quarterback that you might be able to get an undervalued, undervalued Burrow. But I think I would just stick with that right now as a DraftKings play over trying to like run him out in your season long league. Because like Minshew kind of does the same thing as well. And Minshew is just better at this point as a fantasy quarterback uh meanie before we take a few questions from the audience if you're out there watching live right now start loading in your waiver wire questions or trade questions if you ask me a start sick question for week two no it's monday morning and i will ban you from life from the fucking chat uh, we're not doing start sit questions on a monday morning we're just not um so just remember that as you load in the questions uh don't get banned for life it's pretty easy to do so trade questions pick up questions that kind of thing but Dallas going for that fourth and three, I didn't hate it. Like, I, I thought it was the right call. It was just the Rams stopped it. That, that happens. <laughs> I don't know, man. I hated it. Why, uh, what, 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 just... But here's the thing. If you kick a field goal, the Rams still get the ball back with a chance to go down in the field and win with a field goal. Like, what's that really get you besides overtime, which is no chance that, like, you're going to get the ball. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I see both sides of it. Yeah. I mean, you get the first down, you, you probably score a touchdown and you take the lead and then you still have to rely on your defense. You're relying on your defense either way. And I thought, you know, Dallas's defense did an okay job of, you know, just, it, it wasn't really Dallas's offense who got them back into the game. I thought it was their defense that just kept them hanging around. I, again, I just think it's, I just think some coaches, they just got too cute with, and it's just, it's your first game of the season You're You're on the road. I know there's no fans there. You're playing a tough opponent in the Rams. Just kick the field goal and you're, you're tied. I just, I, I don't know, man. I've, I've always been in that mindset when, when you're right there late in the game, just to extend the game and get it going. Because as soon as they missed that, the, the game was over. I think in theory though, like it, it did work out how it was supposed to in the sense that you go for it. And if you don't get it, there's still 11 minutes or so left in the game and they have to now drive the entire field to try to get any points to make this anything more than a field goal game. And, you know, they had like two first downs and Dallas got the football right back. Mm -hmm. So obviously now they had to drive the whole field to try to score again, but I don't know. I I think the funny thing for me, and and I probably liked the call more than I disliked it. I, I tend to just like aggressive coaching in those situations, but I just enjoyed how it was definitely like Mike McCarthy sort of like, the divorced dad getting to see his kids for the first time being like, I'm going to try to be different. I'm going to try to be cool. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm like this new coach who uses stats and does things where I'm supposed to in risky situations. And it immediately blew up in his face. So I'm curious to see if like Mike McCarthy 2.0 is kind of this savvy uh, about like game script situations, but, but he's but he's or... not though. Like he can talk about how he dove into analytics, all that, and that's why he goes for it on fourth down. But why are you running the ball on first down like ninety percent of the time? Sure, that's that's also a great question. Um, but yeah, I, but honestly, I just think like you can talk all you want about being like an analytically driven coach, but as soon as you do something where the numbers suggest you should do it and it fails. Like, are you going to be the guy who goes back to it? That's that's kind of what I'm curious to see. Yeah, that that's always the biggest thing when it comes down to it. Like, are you going to be results-based? I think that the Ravens are the best example of this, and the Chiefs are too. Like, sometimes it doesn't work. Nothing works 100% of the time. Like, if it were, the whole point is that if it works 60% of the time or even, like, 57% of the time, which it does from, like, fourth and five, then you just go for it every time, and you're not going to get it all the time. Well, that was one of the great moments of Thursday Night Football, aside, you know, just from, like, Andy Reid's mask. 
but just the Chiefs <laughs> going for it on that fourth and one from their own 34 and like midway through the second quarter. It's like, yeah, just do it. Do that kind of stuff. It's great. I'm shocked. I, yeah. I don't think Arians would ever do it, Meanie, but like every time that the Bucks are at fourth and one, just run a sneak with Brady. Just every time. It's going to yeah. work. It's going to work. See, like I get the mindset. I, I like to be aggressive too. And Doug Peterson has done a great job over the years of being aggressive. But yeah, when you when it's fourth and one, like to, to Garyan's point, when you're on your own 30, 34, or whatever it was like, and you have a guy like Mahomes or I, I believe, who was it that brought in? Uh, I don't even re- remember his name, like an old CFL quarterback uh, yesterday brought him. In. Oh, he was, it was on Arizona and they took out Kyler and they just wanted that extra yard and he just got that extra yard in that game. So like, and why didn't they do that? Why didn't they let that guy kneel? <laughs> yeah, oh. no, no kidding. But yeah, when you have a guy like Brady and he got in, like Brady was obviously so fired up for that game. And, and you know, I'm sure he heard like, oh, Cam, couple rushing touchdowns, yada, yada. But like Brady, when you are fourth and one or you're close to the goal line there, yeah, just get it done. And that's another backfield that we didn't really talk about either was like, how long does it take before Leonard Fournette completely takes over that backfield? Or does he like is, is it going to be Ronald Jones getting double-digit carries? Is it going to be a complete mess? Because I think Fournette is is the best back there. It's going to be interesting. I'm interested at least to see how Tampa goes about their offense over these next couple of weeks. But yeah, when you got a guy like Brady Pat, you just, you, you do it. I'm all about being aggressive, but it's about the play calling. I just didn't like that particular play from McCarthy. I'd, like there was... He, he, there was other options I think he could have had. Maybe just throw it to, to Zeke or heck, Zeke was running pretty well. I mean, you ran all day with him. Just let him get the three yards. He probably would have yeah, got throw it. it. Throw it to the sticks is probably. Yeah, well, throw it to the sticks, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's creative. It to, uh, threw it to Lamb and he had, Lamb had to make a play. He didn't even throw it far enough to get the first down. Uh, so Gary, and I'm, I have a live text thread going with Cust right now. Uh, and people who watched the game with him uh, said that he was crying during the game. Uh, and his excuse was my eyes water because I wasn't blinking enough. Well, you got to watch. You got to make sure you catch every second. Uh, it's, it's a game of inches, Pat. Um, that's incredible. That makes me very happy. Um, I was also I just in this season where, <laughs> I mean, Tim tweeted out at one point, I don't deserve this, which is one of the saddest and funniest things I've seen in a long time. Um, it was nice for him, though, that uh, the 2016 Heisman candidate Josh Adams is now his his running back. He gets to have a little uh, just just golden domer jet love love on this this terrible team. So maybe that'll carry him through. He's also Crowder's clear- the only jet you want to own, right? Like that's it. Who? Right? Crowder. Crowder. Yeah, He's I, the only I, jet that should touch your roster. Eh, I mean, I think Bell will end up being fine, but if he's hurt, then you, know, you just put him on the IR or keep him on your bench for the moment. Tim is also defining that he never cries because he defines crying as like outright bawling, not just like tear, mm. like sad and water coming out of his. Anyway, let's get to these questions. One word answers for all of this so we can finish up here and get through as many as possible. If you do have a question, dump it in the YouTube chat right now. Again, if it's a start sick question, I'm going to fucking ban you for life. It's a waiver wire show we're talking about trades and pickups only matthew asks and meanie we'll start with you eckler and aj green for miles sanders i would rather have the eckler and aj green side yeah just i'm going to just take the you know the fact that aj is healthy right now he was he was targeted he looked like burrow's guy and i think eckler is a as much as we talked about him earlier i think he's a buy low candidate i like the sanders side gary uh, I'm gonna just take the volume with the uh, with the green and Eckler side. All right. Uh, oh boy, 
Let's see. Oh, good. People aren't even really asking questions. Sell high. We answered them all. No, because people are people are answering each other's questions in the chat. When when question time comes, if you start answering people's questions in the chat, I'm going to ban you for life. It's like people don't know the rules of the chat, Garyan. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, did did you did you refresh the rules of the chat yesterday? I, I, with, I, uh... I, I did at towards the end uh, with, with okay. Brad Evans. So I mean, it's week two. People are still feeling it out, but uh, yeah, once we get to actual question time, uh, then is, we're gonna... is Brad allowed to ban people for life? Does he get three bans a week too? Oh, maybe. He should get some bans. Uh, would you trade Jonathan Taylor for Miles Sanders? I would. I think Taylor's going to yes. be good. Yes. Yeah. I, I would. I would get Miles Sanders. Yes. It seems like everyone wants to give up on Miles Sanders right now. Look, maybe he's the best guy to go and you, go out and get. You mentioned it like casually, but I think it's important to note, like. He practiced, it was limited, but he practiced all three days last week. Like, I, I really do think this is a scenario where they were trying to be extra cautious. They didn't want him to play week one, but I would be shocked if he's not in there for week two. Maybe and the I, Eagles are just freaking clueless, man. Like, they cut all these backs. <laughs> they didn't bring any running backs in, and Miles Sanders can't make the trip. Like, Pat, I know you were kind of joking tongue-in-cheek there, but, like, did they think that they were just going to roll over Washington yesterday, that they didn't need Miles Sanders to make the trip? Like, the fact that they cut all of those backs and they didn't sign a Freeman and they were rumored to sign Hyde and they didn't bring anybody in made me think that Miles Sanders is perfectly fine here. So I don't know. I, I would put him in the, on the buy low list as well, but I mean, I have some concerns again with this offensive line. I don't know how productive yeah. they're going to be running the football, but I would take that deal. I'd rather Sanders and Taylor. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that uh, like if we were to redraft right now, I think Sanders would still go as a top 10 running back, but Taylor would probably press the top 10 just based on the information that we now have sure. without Marlon Mack around. I, I think that's close. I still think I would take the, because at, at the peak, it does look like we're in for a Taylor Hines, like split in terms of snap share. I think Taylor's going to get the red zone work. He's going to get the carries. He's going to be very valuable and be a part of the passing game. He's going to be the Melvin Gordon to the Eckler. That seems to be Naheem Hines yep. with Phillip rivers with Miles Sanders. Best case scenario is still, he plays 90% of the snaps and does everything. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And Boston Scott, you know, I know he left and came back, but he's he's not a between the runners. Like he's not going to run between the tackles. He's going to catch a couple balls. And Corey Clement is is a bit of a joke. So if Miles Sanders is just in there and he's active, you're right. He should get at least at least 80 percent of the snaps. Um, also, if you missed any part of the waiver wire, you can rewind the show and go back and hit those parts. Remember to smash the like while we're out there as well. Here's an example of a question no one should ever ask. Again, Gary, in week two, I'm going to hammer down, really set the rule straight for everyone who's new to the show. But trade Drake or trade high on Ridley? For fucking who? Who are you trading them for? Like, give me something here. Like, just trade them for nothing? No, don't do that. I mean, the, the answers are limitless. Yeah. Uh, yes. Trade trade him for like 2008 Randy Moss would be my my fantasy advice to you. Yeah. So here's an example of a good question. So Manny, Mike Williams and Christian Kirk for J.K. Dobbins. I'd probably take Dobbins just to have on my roster and see what happens. Yeah, I'll lean with that too. Again, I'd like to get some context from people like who else do they have on their squad who are giving up to. No, no, uh, no, no that, that's too much then. I don't need people writing fucking novels. <laughs> I'm going to be banned for life. Yeah, I, I would take that deal too. And there's one thing I want to talk about before we get out of here too. I just wanted to bring it out like the Browns. Like you mentioned Baker. Do we want to roster Baker? Like I would think I'd rather have Joe Burrow at this point than Baker Mayfield. I know it was against Baltimore. But he looked pathetic yesterday, and I think he's going to be another Browns bust. Like, I, I'm not confident in him, in him at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm not playing Baker. I, I don't own Baker anywhere, so 
No, I guess you probably anybody should. should. That's just the point. I just don't think anybody should. Like I see Baker with a higher ownership than a lot of the quarterbacks that you mentioned as streaming quarterbacks. I think I'd rather just roll with those streaming quarterbacks the rest of the way. Um, Gary, would you keep Deshaun Jackson or drop him for Marquez Valdez Scantling? I'd keep um, DJ. Yeah, I'd keep DJX. I mean, the one thing you have to remember, high ADOT. So he's going to have big weeks. He's going to have bad weeks, but yeah, I'd, I'd keep Jackson at this point. Uh, get, or, Meany, should I drop mm. McCole Hardman for either Gaskin, Adrian Peterson, or Peyton Barber? I think unless you need to start a quarterback, no. Yeah, those backs are just depth pieces. I don't think you can ever feel comfortable rolling them out. So just keep the home run play in, in Hardman. I would assume that uh, he's fine with his starting role and he's just looking for, you know, somebody who could be, you know, a legit three. We talked about Sammy earlier. If Sammy, you know, goes down, like you could roll out Hardman as a flex. I'd rather the upside. Gary, and would you drop Mac for Debo Samuel? I mean, yes, but yes. I, would, I would wait to hear if Mac is actually out for the year. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously you have to do that, but uh, yes, do that. Also, just find someone to drop to pick up Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel should be owned. 100%. Uh, what do you do with Nick Chubb, Meany? You you have to be patient. I was That was one of the committees that I was concerned with too. Here, they, they lock up Kareem Hunt for a couple of years and, you know, his usage, I, I think only like a couple running backs caught more balls than him in the second half of last season. So he's just going to be involved. You just can't give Chubb away. Just chalk it up as a bad matchup against the Ravens, even though he was solid in a game last year against them. These are the the questions you're probably going to get in the uncertainty, but you spent a high capital on Nick Chubb. It may have been the end of the first, early second. You just can't sell him right now when his value is, is, you know, pretty low. So you just, you just hang on, but I'm concerned. Uh, oh, here's a, Gary, here's an example of a question that will get you banned for life next week. Should I trade Malcolm Brown while his value is high or hold him? I think you should trade him for Christian McCaffrey. That would be my advice. Yeah, I mean, try it. Yeah. Worst, the worst yeah. the guy can say is no. G- g- give me someone to trade him for. Who? Eckler. Who are you trading him for? Yeah. Hey, take Eckler. Trade Malcolm Brown for Austin Eckler. There, there's your trade. <laughs> yeah, uh, should I drop Robbie Anderson for Leonard Fournette? Yeah. I would. Yeah. yeah. I would just, do that. At this point, in a, in a general sense, I would just tend to lean with give, giving my team more running back depth than wide receiver depth. Yes. You can find wide receivers. Uh, would you drop Darius Slayton or Christian Kirk for Malcolm Brown? Yeah, I would. I mean, Christian yeah. Kirk is going to be so boom or bust that like it was like that question before where are you going to trade two wide receiver fours for a running back who eventually you might be able to start? I would say yes. And I think in this situation, yes. Who do you like more season, Kirk or Slayton? I would probably like Slayton a little bit more. I'd say Slayton. Uh, I think I'll lean Kirk just because there's a lot going on in there with the Giants. I know Shepard and Tate haven't been, you know, extremely healthy over their career. And then Evan Ingram and Barkley. I just, I'm just going to go with the better offense, the more up-tempo offense and go with Kirk. Ooh. Yeah, I guess I should just preface that with, I don't really like either of them all that yeah, much. But, I would agree uh, with that. I, I would just take Slayton in the sense that I think Jones could find himself in a lot of like high volume game scripts. That's a great trade, by the way, if you can get Brown for one of those two, especially yeah, who hasn't even touched the football field yet. So that's a deal I would make a hundred times. Would you trade DK Metcalf for Odell? The answer would be no. No, no. Odell is, I don't know if he's even a wide receiver three. Uh, would you drop Carson Wentz to pick up Ben Roethlisberger? I would say yes. Yep. Yep. 
agree. Sell high on Mostart? Yes, sell them for Christian McCaffrey. There's your advice. <laughs> uh, go Gary, and this one's, I think, specifically for you. Is Preston, is Preston Williams worth holding on to? I would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there go, was... Go uh, trade for him. Yeah, yeah that's a good buy a great game. spot to buy Preston Williams. Uh, schedule next week is not very helpful. It, really, if you want to wait one more week and have him just have a horrendous game against the Bills in week two... Uh, someone might drop him at that point, honestly. But again, with Devontae Parker's injury history and his hamstring that's been bothering him for a month now, and the fact they have no other wide receivers, yes, Preston Williams is very good. Yeah, he saw a lot of Gilmore yesterday. Yeah, they, they put Gilmore on him, and that's not the first time this has been done. They did it last year, too, in the game that Williams was healthy. Like, they want to get rid of Preston Williams and let Devontae Parker or who else, Jakeem Grant, go nuts against them, and they, they just can't. Big shocker. Uh, would you trade Drake, Judy, and Ingram? So, you can just drop Ingram. Uh, for Miles Sanders and DJ Moore? Yeah, 100%. What was it, Drake? Who was the second one? Judy. Judy. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would do that. I mean, if you think that I think that Sanders is probably an equivalent to Drake, maybe a little bit better. And then DJ Moore is way better than Judy and Ingram, like combined. Definitely. Yeah. Ingram is going to be a complete headache to, to roster and own this year. Uh, Gary, would you drop Antonio Gibson for Anthony Miller? I would not. No, I'm going to hold on to Gibson there. Again, you, you got to treat running back depth and, and any running back potential like it's gold at this point because it, it's just a commodity we don't have a lot of. Uh, would you go? I mean, these guys are asking start sit questions. These people are ruining it for everyone. Come on. Don't get banned for life. None of these start sit questions. I don't even know half the matchups. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Ek- me neither. Honestly, rest of the season. Would you rather own Eckler or Mostart? I think that's a lot closer than I originally thought it was. I think I, Oh, do I want to say Eckler? It's probably still Eckler, but by a hair. It's still Eckler for me. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think at the end of the day, you just got to keep reminding yourself. It's almost like get into the fetal position and just rock back and forth and be like 19 touches, 19 touches, 19 touches. Like that's still good. It, they weren't the touches you necessarily want to see, but that's a lot of touches. Would yeah, you, I would, would you trade Chris Carson and DJ Moore for Joe Mixon? I would not. No, no. I mean, Chris Carson was fine. Again, I know that Hyde had more rushing attempts than him, but he caught six balls, two touchdowns. It's a, a legit offense, and that's two for one. Like, no. Rams defense or Bucks defense next week against Carolina? I would take the Rams defense, my number one defense pickup. Yeah, Rams defense. Agree. Yeah, I, I, and I think I tripped up. I was like talking about Sam Darnold. It was like the Jets were on my mind. It's just, like so disrespectful to Aaron. Like, <laughs> let's be honest here. Uh, Rams are a, a they're going to be um, probably the highest scoring defense this week, Pat. Man, maybe. Uh, would you have? Would you better stash off waivers, Regor or Kelly? I'd take Kelly. Just I, I always lean running back because you never know what's going. Like if it's going to be a situation where you don't have to play the guys anyway, give me the running back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Eagles wide receiver one could be option four in this <laughs> offense yeah. behind Miles Sanders and both tight ends, like to be perfectly yep. honest. So don't let that oh, kind yeah. of fool you. Uh, well, who would you rather have rest of the season, Eckler or Joe Mixon? I'm still firmly in the Joe Mixon camp here. Yeah, Mixon. I agree with that too. Mixon, yeah, I think he um, he just had the one catch. I believe it was like the first. It was the first play of the game. Yeah, and I was like, here we go. Burrow's going to throw to Mixon. And then they took him off the field late. It was confusing. But yeah, Mixon has got the true three down value there. Uh, DJ Moore for Robert Woods and an 18 PPR. I would want Robert Woods. Yep, Woods. Yeah, me too. Uh, Eckler or Mixon. Eckler or this person says Scary Terry, which is not a nickname that anyone uses. Nope. 
Um, so score a McLaurin or hi, T. Uh, I would take McLaurin. I love McLaurin. I'm going to take Eckler. Yeah, I'll, I'll split the tie with Eckler as well. Just some running back depth. I just always side with the back. Would you trade Keenan Allen for AJ Green? I would. Yes. I would too. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I would. I think I'd keep Keenan. I was worried. And it looked like Tyrod loved Hunter Henry and Mike Williams and not Keenan Allen. Yeah. That could be just a complete just farce after watching one game. But that, that yeah. was my takeaway from it. I just, Tyrod just looks cooked, man. It just wasn't <laughs> happening. He's going to continue to play if they if they win games. They won't go over to him. But I agree that he didn't look good, but... You know, AJ has just never been a healthy guy for me. Keenan has just been on the field a lot more. That's Even though he's not a lot healthy. He's not always healthy either, but I'll just side with Keenan. Don't uh, overthink it. Would you trade Naheem Hines for Tariq Cohen? Absolutely not. Nope. No, 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 no. no, no. no Hines no, no. is the, the great version of Tariq Cohen in a better offense. Would you yeah. trade Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for DeAndre Hopkins? No. If you're going to no. trade Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you have to have Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams coming back. Yeah, and even then, just keep the back, right? And Clyde Edwards-Lair, I know a lot of people want to make um, make note of the fact that what did he have, Gary, in six red zone rushing attempts and stuffed oh, every time. But I oh, think, six you know, goal line, yeah. Yeah, you know, honestly, like J.J. Watt blew up a couple of those plays. I don't know how many running backs would have gotten in from that point. The fact that he got those goal line touches uh, is is a big takeaway. Just keep Clyde Edwards-Lair. Well, if we redraft right now after one week, he's a top three pick, right? No, it's still McCaffrey. We'll see with Barkley. Sorry, I guess I guess you have four. the three the three running back four. Tier, yeah, like but he's you, four. Yeah, well, yeah. You would take Edwards Hilaire over Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I mean, maybe Derrick Henry. Like, there's no Evans tonight. It's like Signoris Perry as the backup. Like Henry might actually get involved in the passing game on Monday night. I'd. It'll be great to see. Uh, <laughs> I could use a laugh. Uh oh, uh, T Fox asks, sell Calvin Ridley. Hi, I need running back help. Yeah, trade him for Christian McCaffrey. That's the move. Uh, here's actually a really good question, and this is a smart trade, and I like it. Would you trade Raheem Mostert for Jonathan Taylor? I would. I would too. I would too because of what we just talked about earlier with with Matt gone. It's now a two person backfield. Tevin Coleman's probably going to join. Jarek McKinnon looked good. He looked solid. So remember, Jarek McKinnon. The last time we saw him, cut over fifty balls. Right? I know it was two years ago, but he's going to stay on the field. So I, I would. I would take Taylor in the upside and and what is a great offensive line. I think the big takeaway was that Taylor caught a few passes too. Yeah, uh, I think which is a simpler situation. Yeah. Yeah. Would you drop Swift, Dobbins, or Gibson for Naheem Hines in a standard league? I would drop Gibson for him. Gibson, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very preferred. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, confirm. Mac has a torn Achilles. So yeah, there you go. So we're, yeah. we're t- we we got it. So we're good to go. Uh, would you trade Eckler and Ridley for Josh Jacobs? Maybe. That's an interesting one. I think, I think I would rather Ridley and Eckler, right? I don't I know. Think I, I, would... I, I don't like Ridley, and like we're kind of down on Eckler if he's not going to be catching passes, and now Jacobs is catching passes. Like, yeah. Why don't we like Ridley? Ridley's fine. Like he's a wide receiver. He's like a low end two. He's not going to catch two touchdowns a game. <laughs> no, he won't. He seems to catch most of his touchdowns against the Saints for whatever <laughs> reason. But I don't know. I take the two guys. I take two. Yeah, I think, two I think it's still a lot. I take, Jacobs. I take Jacobs. I think Jacobs plus replacement is going to outscore Eckler plus Ridley. Jacobs on pace for 64 catches. Yeah, killing, killing it. 
Uh, let's see here. We got time for three more. Hines or Malcolm Brown off waivers? Well, you just missed the fucking first part of the show, pal. Give your head a shake. Go check out the column on DK Playbook or Rewind. Uh, Scotty Miller or Valdez Scantling on the waiver wire? Why don't you just keep who you have? That's probably better. That's actually some pretty good advice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have a scrub scrub or you're putting somebody on IR, then. Um, yeah. Maybe you're yeah. dropping your MBS. second, your second defense that you accidentally drafted. Sure. Uh, yeah. MVS, I guess. Would you drop Antonio Gibson for Peyton Barber? I would not. No, no. And I think a lot of people, you probably get that question a lot actually, because of the usage that Barber got in the red zone. I saw Brad Evans tweet yesterday that he was, frustrated with Gibson not getting that usage in the red zone and it's going to be like that all year but Gibson was used a lot he's going to be a threat it was just his first game I thought he got that offense rolling I thought he had a nice run uh, and a nice catch so I would just keep Gibson oh yeah here's uh one thing that I also is for next week again when I start actually officially handing out bans if you ask the same question twice you're banned for life you ask someone else's you answer someone else's question you're banned for life you just don't even ask a question you're just commenting banned for life or if you've already done something and say please tell me how i did you're fucking banned for life because i don't give a shit you, it's your team you can do whatever the fuck you want to it um would you trade last one uh eckler and connor for clyde edwards hilaire yes wow. i i would i would too you would trade both of those backs for clyde edwards i would yeah i would we just okay. talked about him being potentially the fourth overall pick. We were going to do. This I know, I know, I know. But I'm just on the side of like two two backs who do have like it's all about depth for me and two running backs. But yeah, you guys are probably right. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I just look at some of my teams and I could use two running backs that I can start. <laughs> yeah, I could use two or three running backs. Yeah, I mean, all, <laughs> all, all, all of this is dependent, obviously. Like. Sure. If, just you have to take in team context into it as well. But I think it's just objectively, I like that trade. Very last one, because I like this trade. I think this is one you're going to be able to find, like this type of trade out there to target Jonathan Taylor. Hollywood Brown and Malcolm Brown for Jonathan Taylor. That's a clear Jonathan Taylor side. Yeah, that's a nice little combination. I like yeah, it. that's a good one. Yeah, he's Taylor's probably going to be one of the most traded guys this week. And I want to be on the side of getting him. Oh, last comment here. This is just a comment right? before this guy gets banned for life. Uh, Pat Mayo is the real life embodiment of a keyboard warrior, but I'm not typing anything and you can see my face. This guy's hiding behind a fake name and no picture. Who's the coward here with the little dick? You banned for life. That'll do it on the ah, Pat Mayo first band of the year. First band of the year. Gone. Stay out of my chat for life, pal. Maybe leave your mom's basement once in a while, or maybe just lose some weight so you can see your dick at some point. We'll see. You know I don't like the people in the comments who get nasty with me, Meanie. I'm going to go back hard at them, too. Chris Meanie. You can follow him on Twitter, at Chris Meanie. And you can find him at FTNnetwork.com. At the FTN Network, so FTN Daily, FTN Fantasy, FTNBets.com. What do you got going on during the week? Yeah, uh, a lot going on during the week. Uh, Matthew Davis and I are going to do like a, a fab podcast. We'll just hit up uh, some waiver wires that'll come out tomorrow night. Um, you know, a touchdown show on Saturday with Derek Brown and myself, just Thrive Fantasy. We had some fun with that. I think we called like six or seven touchdowns. I know some of them were Chalky and Jacobs and Adams, but they still found the end zone and just making bets, man. Every single day, check out FTMBets.com. Got a few props up there right now. And um, yeah, just grinding man all the time yeah hey we got more shows coming out i mentioned u.s open that'll be up later today on mayo media network garyan over at dk playbook and dknation.com what you got going on 
Yeah, just a bunch of articles, uh, content for baseball, basketball, and football. Got a showdown article up right now, actually, over at DK Nation. So if you guys want to put together a couple lineups for Giant Steelers, go head over and check that out. But uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, at Gary and Thorne. Uh, tweeting out all the content there and uh, a lot of snarky Blue Jays tweets probably this week. That's something <laughs> I tend to do. Yeah, so for next week, let's try to keep this under one hour and 46 minutes. Maybe we'll get a bit more efficient with this, but it's week one. I was excited to talk about football. Thank you all for tuning into this. You can find the entire replay to the show up on YouTube. I'll add the time codes once we are finished, and you can jump around to where you want to go. You can check out my waiver wire column up on dkplaybook.com. I will add that to the description of this video and podcast as well. If you just want to listen to the audio version, it will be available on the Pat Mayo Experience audio feed in about 10 minutes' time. So basically, if you watch this entire thing and want to go listen back, I don't know why you'd ever want to do that. But hey, here we go. There's also a showdown video up on MayoMediaNetwork.com right now, too. Thank you all for watching. Good luck in week two. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.